So what did you just send me on Instagram? A hilarious video. A hilarious video that we can watch while we're waiting for yes. Jones to show up. Mm -hmm. If he shows up. <laughs> podcast i am your host danny paul joining me in the bob media studios who is on time for today's broadcast which uh those of you familiar with the show know that i sometimes have two vice hosts usually just one you know his name the baron of bourbon the regent of rage the roy kent of rancho santa margarita that's right ladies and gentlemen leon coventry I love all your intros. I can't wait to hear it. You have to come up with a unique one every time because you're going to set this kind of bar. I, I need to, I need to well, hear it. I know it. that there was an issue with the oligarch of Orange County. So I cut that one because it's, you know, wartime. Not, not funny. Oh yeah. But not funny we anymore. did yeah. uh, have a lot of fun because you are the, uh, you are the Lothario of Loth. So <laughs> I came up with something that was very funny that reminded me of our uh, friend of the show show, Ted Lasso. <laughs> suffering from the incurable case of being a little bitch roy kent Whoa. and as fate would have it we are joined by another there is another he is of course the pharaoh of finance the sultan of sport the khan of contra costa county mr jones ladies and gentlemen How are you boys doing tonight? I am excellent. Sorry about missing the last show. I had a... Don't tell us what happened. That way we can imagine it was something important. Ooh, it really was. I mean, it was time well spent with my father. But uh, I cannot have a day of golfing with my father and, and then come and do a bourbon show because I was a train wreck at about 3.30 in the afternoon. So... This show was not a possibility. I couldn't sober up fast enough to try to pull it off. So it's pretty uh, funny that you say that, sir, because I too went golfing with my father in the last week. Uh, does your father drink as much on the course as mine? Uh, we did not drink on the course. No, mm. but uh, mm. under certain circumstances, yeah, we'll we'll go a beer every two holes. He's not uh, I, he's not down with a beer a hole anymore. But yeah, there there were some times when we used to crack. But we did have the ninth hole. Or the 19th hole. Yeah. Then well, we that's only good. played nine. You know, I'd like you to come to Orange County, see if Mr. Jones will do it too, so we can do the Natty Open. I would love to. And I think we got to like do it. Tons of fun. Yeah. I got quite a few people here who want to do it too. As long as we get like 10 people, it's worth it. I'm going to have to get so. a new toy for uh, plugging in all of this gear, though, because if we're going to do a live show, I either got to do shitty audio and try to clean it up later, or I got to buy some some neat stuff <laughs> for you magic 
49 out there. I don't know where we're at. I just like adding one? numbers randomly. I don't know. We, got, don't know. we, we are 50? multinational, my friend. We have fans in the UK. We have fans in Japan. We even have fans in Ohio. Oh, amazing. We are spreading I, out. The Natty Open is a two-man scramble. Uh, I'm not going to explain what a scramble is, but basically you get the best ball. Uh, two-man scramble, and you get one stroke back for every empty beer can. So you really want one good golfer and one good drinker, and that's the perfect combination to win. But usually by the end of the tournament, uh, there's two train-wrecked individuals trying to roll into the clubhouse. Uh, You're trying to break 50. (laughs) Good time. So I'm looking forward to that. You got to be honest. I like it a lot. What's your brand for this evening, sir? Uh, Went back to one that I uh, did about a year ago, I think. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. It's a good one. It's a seven-year-old, around, around 100 proof. Heaven, Heaven Hill's, Hill's uh, yeah, Heaven Hill's a, uh, it's a great, great distillery in Louisville, Kentucky. So. Very well. It's in the right state. It's delicious. It, uh, it lights you up. Usually runs around 65 a bottle. Uh-huh. And uh, it's. Seems to check those boxes. What, what do you think the 40 yard lines are for our, uh, our bottle price point? Obviously you probably don't want to go below 40 or $45, but what's your ceiling? What's your ceiling on a daily drinker? <laughs> on a daily drinker? 80 yeah. bucks. 80 I wouldn't bucks. go more okay. than 80 bucks. So 40 days. That makes about sense. So, but no. yeah, I definitely have more than I spend more than that, but they're rare special occasion type bottles. Now, back when I had no day job, I would, I would scrimp just to be able to make the show. So I got some $25 bottles that I drank to the requisite amount and then put in the infinity bottle, but I'm ready to get back in the game. So I want to make sure I know what our accordingly price conscious amount is. If we're going to go 40 to 80, that's good. Well, you know me, I, I'm a big Buffalo Trace person. So Buffalo Trace is 30 bucks. Yeah, Buffalo and Trace isn't that, I mean, you can get that yeah. in, in, in bulk. Yeah. I got to say, you know what? I do like red label. If I were to slum it with uh, with my beloved Johnny Walker, I could go with the no big kidding. industrial, you know, one finger handle of uh, Johnny Red. Yeah, I got a Johnny. Uh, I got a Johnny Black, and that's about it. And I got Johnny Blue and Black, but maybe I need to complete the trifecta. Johnny Black's good. There's also a Johnny Double Black, which is really smoky. And uh, I'm not going to poo-poo my my favorite Scotch, but you know, there's a couple of different labels for a reason. Mm-hmm. I am rocking um, little Hetch Hetchy water. Mr. Jones oh. to us. I'm having a little Rick House tonight because it's really good. Yeah, it's a very good oh. smoky one. I have it up here right next to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have to pour my next one as the Rick House. And uh, as you know, it's very dry out here in the desert. The temperature starting to kick up. And there are a number of different potential battles over water rights on the Colorado River. And so I don't mind drinking his water. (laughs) What'd you get up to today? Today was pretty mellow. Today was like 84. Oh, God, we were 98. Really? Yeah. So it's coming. The heat's coming to you. No, I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we used to get it around end of June. It's going to be nasty. But um, did a little experiment around here. There is a lake, as we've talked about on previous episodes of the pod, actually went up and got out on some inflatable paddle boards. Now, I have been on longboards before. General Tizzo, friend of the show, he used to have some nine-footers. We used to go out off Sano 
by the power plant mm-hmm. down there. So I've been on big boards and typically they've made of fiberglass or some other very, very large material, but they were heavy. These are inflatable, mm-hmm. which seems counterintuitive. They take about 15 minutes to pump up, but once you get on them, they're pretty steady and it's, battleboarding's fun. Gauges the core, lets you know how yeah. to shape your. But yeah, it's good I, times. I, I see people out there all the time in the harbor, Dana Point Harbor, kicking around on those things. And it doesn't look that fun, but it must be because there's a lot of people doing it. It's fun because you have the option of getting wet, which I think is what most people would like, is you can get out in the water, you can enjoy yourself, you can freeze, you get the cool, you can dip your toes, but you can stay completely dry. So you might see people out there with a dog or little kids, or they might be out there fully clothed. It's because it offers you a canoe with, you know, the feeling of being on a surfboard. And I got to say, as a core stabilizing workout, kicks your ass. I think we've talked it up, talked about it in past shows, but though I hope, I'm pretty sure I did miss my window of opportunity, but the one thing I, I would regret not doing was kite surfing. That just seems so awesome. But I think you really got to be tip top shape. You've got to be really good at it too. Because yeah. the one thing I do know about kite surfing is it'll pick you up and take you onto the beach. Oh yeah. Remember it's oh, parachute. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's every bit of danger and exhilarating and everything. But when you see somebody out there that's good at it, it looks awesome. <laughs> so it's like a man who loves danger. <laughs> <laughs> danger is my middle name. Let's talk about Brown. I guess time to talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about, um, brown? That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. It comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Nice talk about Brown comes to us from Fox 5 DC. Alcohol related deaths spiked in the first year of COVID 19 pandemic study shows. This is dated March 19th, 2022. This seems very um, in line with what we were talking about a year and a half ago. That alcohol, because <laughs> alcohol <we> sales spiked. <laughs> the, well, we kicked off the show in the midst of said pandemic lockdowns, and we talked a lot about how. We are drinking more. Everybody's drinking more. Sales of alcohol are up. Quantities of alcohol were up. There's an episode with you and me and and Punish where we talked about the demise of the bar, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't because sales were down. It was just because people were getting their alcohol somewhere else. So it's not a surprise or it shouldn't be a surprise that alcohol-related deaths increased over the pandemic because everybody sat at home drinking. And if you drink too much, bad things are going to happen. Researchers published their findings Friday in the Journal of American Medical Association. Scientists gathered mortality data from the National Center for Health Statistics involving people over 16 years old from 2019 and 2020. They also obtained data in the first half of 2021 from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Their findings showed that alcohol-related deaths increased between 2019 and 2020 from 78,000 to 99,000. They said deaths from other causes had smaller increases. Researchers noted that alcohol-related deaths accounted for 2.8% of all deaths in 2019 and 3% in 2020. 
number and rate of alcohol-related deaths increased approximately 25% between 2019 and 2020. He said there were increases across all age groups with the largest increase occurring for the bottle of brown target demographic, 35 to 44. Our listeners are dying, Leon. <laughs> no good. <laughs> he also saw large increases among men compared to women. Surprise, surprise. What do you think about this? I mean, again, I think it's in line. What, what, let's, let's go through the, the life cycle of how one becomes an alcoholic to the point that it kills you. Usually it involves some level of depression or sadness or, you know, in the case of COVID-19, there was even boredom, right? And mm -hmm. that, that was a accelerant for it. So uh, you, you, you take those things, then you light it on fire and throw gasoline on it, which is what COVID was doing. Mm -hmm. You have very, very social beings not allowed to be social. And then when there are people that are not used to historically spending so much time so close together. So I, I do, I'm, I'm one of those people that 100% believes now it's not in my case, but I've seen very successful marriages that, you know, are successful because of their careers, keep them apart. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There, there are traveling people that must travel Absence and it's heart grew fonder. And it is good for their marriage. And when all of these things started to change the way that people were living and working from home and being in each other's face and the frustrations rose and alcohol was there and you start drinking it more and more and more, you know, you look at all the things that happened and spiked over the last two years. We have more deaths, more unemployment, more depression, more suicides. Uh, you know, pick whatever horrible thing that can happen to people. Abuse, more yeah. marriages, more divorces. A lot of people took a right. look around and went, this ain't working for me. That's right. So this falls in line with all the other trends. And uh, it's sad. It's definitely sad. You know, I've, I darn there lost a friend to, to alcohol abuse. And it's, it's no good. You know, I, we joke about it, right? This show's about Brown and in all honesty, drink it responsibly. Don't be an idiot about it. Enjoy it and use it for special occasions, drink in moderation, except for in special occasion type scenarios. It's, it's, it's totally fine to have a couple drinks here and there when it becomes a crutch, when you must have it to survive then you need to start asking yourself some questions or hopefully you have a support group around you that is recognizing that this, this is happening to you and not everybody has that. And that the support groups that would normally recognize that over the last two years, they weren't allowed in. So, you know, that was, you know, the, the parachute that a lot of people have, which, you know, I bet interventions were down last year's last couple of years too, because how yeah. did you host it? Right. Yeah. So all the things are, they yes, all add up. Makes sense. reflect hidden tolls of the pandemic. Studies authors said increased drinking to cope with pandemic related stressors. As you pointed out, Leon, shifting alcohol policies. You can have to go cups now. You can have to go cups now. 
and disrupted treatment access are all possible contributing factors. Wisconsin was hit particularly bad, according to the study, which reminds me of one of my favorite drinking jokes. Uh, how do you stage an intervention in Wisconsin? I don't know. I haven't seen you around the bar lately. <laughs> I thought it was going to involve cheese Drink Wisconsinably. <laughs> Other states reported an increase in alcohol sales. Sales at municipal liquor stores in Minnesota soared in 2020 for a record-breaking year. Sales at the state's 213 munis jumped 10% during the first year of COVID-19. Uh, in recent years, typical sales increase has been in the range of 1% to 3%. So uh, in the colder states, for sure, people were loading up. According to the International Wines and Spirits record, Americans consumed 2% more alcohol in 2020 than in 2019. It was the biggest year-over-year -year increase since 2002. Hmm. Um, for those of you that may be having trouble getting off the brown wagon, I want to take a pause here and note that there are uh, alcohol and drug recovery lines. If you need help, 877-831-4402. That is the alcohol treatment hotline. Again, that's 877-831-4402. If you're listening to work, pause what you're doing. If you're driving, stop the car, 877-831-4402. If you need help, get it. We want the Bobs to be healthy, happy, and alive. Mr. Jones, Maybe we should have an increase in alcohol consumption in your neck of the woods. Um, it depends on how you consider the consumption of alcohol. In a lot of ways, if you think about the past COVID period, is the on-premise sales were directly related, where they were down. So, in the area of wine and spirits, it was uh, much down. But if you were a big enough brand and you were able to find the avenues of distributors to find yourself uh, shelf space on their local grocery stores and liquor stores, then you were okay. I mean, in the world of consumption, if you look at the Nielsen ratings, it's just exploded with the amount of, in just the neck of the wine sales that, you know, came on um, coming out of those sales channels. But when you talk about the wine tasting rooms, they're still kind of slowly recovering. They're not really there back yet. Um, I think it's coming, but um, I kind of missed the beginning of this article. I'm putting my son down to sleep. So Well, we were talking about how uh, alcohol consumption jumped. We've talked about this in many episodes of the show. We did launch this podcast during pandemic lockdowns. Uh, but of course, more alcohol consumption will lead to more alcohol-related deaths. Uh, it's true. Uh, there's another number here for Alcoholics Anonymous, 212-870-3400. Get the help if you need it, because brown should be enjoyable, not necessary to survive. We talk about that in very light colloquial terms, like we need this. You don't want to need it. You want to want it. So I make that caveat. Leon, closing thoughts. Uh, first, welcome, Mr. Jones. I'm glad you made it. Second, I have literally no idea what point you just made. I tried to follow that road. You were saying, yes, they did. it does go up. No, it doesn't go. It did go up. Are you saying that the wine rooms and the vineyards themselves, visitors were down, but they were mm -hmm. selling more wine? Is that the point? Depend 
I guess the point is if you were a large enough winery. Don't say depends, or you're going to no. go listen to another Leon Lowe's about I how much it. I love that fucking word. Depends like underwear? It depends on what you want to get at. I'll bring it. No, simply, if you're a large enough winery, not a boutique winery. So the boutique smaller, you know, wineries didn't do as well because they didn't have the sales channel because they depended more on tasting room sales and people going to restaurants and buying wine out of restaurants. That mm-hmm. sales channel really hurt. If you were a large enough winery that had distributors and, you know, were able to fill that need, you did okay. Mm-hmm. You did okay. You survived. You obviously still were down because your tasting room, if you think about that position, the tasting room, you make more margin. So you lost margin there. You kind of survived. So that's, that's the point there. I, I'm sorry. I kind of came into what this is talking about. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, more alcohol could be, well, I'm curious then if you look at this, were DUIs down then? Well, no one was driving. Question. Yeah. I think yeah, that was probably down. Be down you're not allowed so, to go out. Does this equal out? Well, you know, I mean, there was a lot of states that really, that's a very good question. Like, yeah. I mean, at least, at least you're just killing yourself in your house and you're not out driving around killing other people. No. I think that I, you know, I think the introduction of alcohol delivery was monumental in that too. You know, I think also laws, the laws changed. So you, it made it more accessible where a restaurant could sell a bottle of booze. They couldn't mm-hmm. do that before. So just as a, a, a positive move forward and, you know, killing some of the old archaic laws before. Yeah. Well, I mean, California obviously is the wild, wild west when it comes to buy liquor at any store you want to. You can go in and buy a bottle of any liquor you want in a CVS. You, you, there's not too many states across the union that allow that. How's Arizona? Do they allow delivery of alcohol like Uber and that kind of stuff like they do in California? Yeah. The governor forced, not forced, the governor fought for the I want to take a traveler home. And I think he got that passed. So you're allowed to go and get cocktails and bring them home. There's a local joint here in North Phoenix called Carambas, which is a fast casual. You got to wait in line. You make your order at the counter and then you go and sit down. And when they call your number, you come up and get your food. But they got a full bar in the place and they sell margaritas to go in these square, like bottled water bottles. And they are super awesome. They are Leon approved. But okay. it wasn't that they would mix the drink, pour it in there and give it to you because that's an open container. It was sealed. Like mm-hmm. they made these things offsite and sealed them. So I'm not quite sure if the midnight in the garden of good and evil, take a traveler with you is totally cool. But I do know that alcohol sales are permitted in the state, at least with Maricopa County. Let me propose this to you, this question. Why are open container laws necessary? You're either beyond the legal limit or you're not. And that is, we have tried and true tested methods that say your blood alcohol is, can't be X. Do you think that these are just grandfathered laws because they didn't have the testing in, in the beginning where they said, well, if you got an open beer, you're probably drunk. I mean, honestly, it doesn't really matter as long as you're not 0.08 or over, right? My guess is it has something to do with one of your recent loads with with, with the pet charge. It's like if you got an open container, you're going to drink it. So if you have a pet, the pet is going to shit somewhere. 
know, my guess is it's it's an understanding of Murphy's law. But the interesting part is there are states like Texas that don't have an open container law. In fact, it could drive through alcohol sales. So they many countries to have don't. The car. Right. Yeah. I mean, open containers, in my opinion, it's kind of unnecessary at this point. I just think it's unnecessary. Yeah. You know, so what? It would be nice to have the burden of responsibility placed on the person. Um, that just has something to do with the level of trust your government has in the people. So if you're in a state that does not have open container restrictions, good for you. The government trusts you. If you're in a state that does have an open container law, probably because they don't trust you. Mm -hmm. Should everybody be trusted? Probably something for another talk show. Because we are due to take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. On to some lighter fare. This one comes to us from UPI.com. North Carolina woman fighting DMV to keep fart vanity plate. This one God made bless it She's doing God's work. Amazing. Right there. A North Carolina woman is fighting the state's Department of Motor Vehicles to keep her unusual personalized license plate, which reads... Art. Carly Cindy of Asheville said she applied for the license plate in October and was pleasantly surprised when the request was approved and she was issued the FART, F-A-R-T, plate for the back of her pickup truck. Oh, girls who drive trucks. Cindy said she received a letter in the mail from the DMV on February 25 telling her that complaints had been lodged about the plate. The DMV told Cindy she might be allowed to keep the plate if she replied to the letter with an explanation of what the plate meant to her and why she believes she should be allowed to keep it. Cindy consulted with some friends and found a group called Friends of Asheville Recreational Trails, F-A-R-T. Smart woman. She said the group now has a mailing list, a website, and merchandise. Cindy said the group recently held its first meeting and 15 people showed up. Cindy said the DMV a letter explaining she should be allowed to keep the plate as reference to her new group. She is now awaiting a response. Fucking A, Mr. Jones. Hey. Good on her. Uh, as I think I'm the only one with a vanity plate right now. That's awesome. I love it. Well, it it's a fact. This is a fact. Farts are always funny. They just always oh, are. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're three years old or you're 85 years old. They're three, always funny. six months. They're hilarious. They're always, they're always funny. Everybody always laughs at farts. They laugh at the word fart, the sound, the smell. They That's love awesome. it. Farts are funny. It was our creator's wonderful gift to all of us to always be able to break the silence with a little comedy. Uh, and hey, like I said, she's doing she's doing really good work by fighting this one. My daughter has a book called The Fart Book. Mm-hmm. It's very you know, uh, you guys seen Super Bad, right? And and at the end, you know, he's he draws dicks. He draws mm-hmm. big veiny ones, everything he draws dicks. My daughter draws farts. She has a, really? It's a fart book. Oh, she's got pages of pages of, of mommy and mommy and daddy and doggies and everything. All of us with gas coming out the ass, writing toot behind it. It's hilarious. And I, I cherish it. I think it's awesome. Intriguing, Leon. This yeah. is a parenting segment. This is awesome. <laughs> it's talent. <laughs> 
future loath parenting crossover sounds like i mean she turned around the other day she walked away like i she came in to wake me up says time to get up and uh, then she turned around and goes you know i got a secret for you and walked out i was like that's awesome that i've never been prouder in this moment than i i am right now nailed it nailed the timing the execution nailed it farts are always funny she's so you she's so you farts are always three wise men brought frankincense and (laughs) so yes and you know what it's not obscene it's just funny nobody's like it said fart on that plate kids look away look away and there's gotta be an element of of, i'm offended from this right but fix and repair today because there's a ton of acronyms that can work with this i love that you work the system like i okay great (laughs) like i saw a car one time it was a red nissan it was either a red nissan Sentra or a red pontiac fiero and the license plate was by chp b-y-e chp it was basically <laughs> i'm faster than you cop car and i was like you're a fucking idiot they're gonna be pulled over whatever you, you like think yell- that means you're wrong like yelling out the window when you drive by cops and yelling something yeah like i mean that. It's, who does that why would you do that well, i don't That's know why you would do asinine. something like that like idiots do that <laughs> what and then your best friends in the, in the passenger seat <laughs> even though that's their uncle <laughs> and Kermit uh, drinks tea that's awesome that wraps up the crank file. Let's get to because Florida. Because anything goes to Florida. Baby, let the good times roll. Because anything goes to Florida. Come on down and do your worst. Today's because Florida comes to us from Key West. FloridaKeysNews.com. Gentlemen, we like the past, right? We like to revere what came before us. We like to cherish those memories. We like to know the way it was back then. Not in Key West. (laughs) Key West buried a time capsule 50 years ago. There's a reason why no one can find it. (laughs) Well, to be honest, it was the 60s. Uh, They buried it on the beach where... (laughs) They buried it on a causeway and the the tide came in. (laughs) Fun fact, do you guys know that as early as like the early 20th century, like the 1910s or the 1920s, that was a, that was a fucking railroad to Key West. You guys know that? No, but I'm impressed. Random fact. I want to pull it up for a future because Florida, there Hmm. was a guy like a, like a Rockefeller guy who had too much money who built a railway from the tip of the dick all the way to Key West, and it fell apart during a hurricane, and the best they could do was a road. So now it's mm. a road to Key West. Did he have a long, lanky, awkward, ape-legged, ape arms, ape man? <laughs> I was cutting that story because Harambe from Cincinnati came up while I was cutting that, and I forgot the closing to that episode. You have anything else to say? I have huge balls. (laughs) For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's a drunk history with Abraham Lincoln, and it is outstandingly quotable. And we, I just, you got to watch it. It's, 
It's about Abraham Lincoln and the guy is absolutely obliterated and he gets stuck in his own loop of talking about how gangly Lincoln is. He can't get out of it. This he just keeps talking ape. about the loop. He's an ape legged man. He, he's awkward. Ox, ox, Oxford, ape, Oxford. awkward man. <laughs> the article goes on. Key West just celebrated the city's bicentennial with parties, a festival, and drone fireworks launched at the waterfront. Locals also put together a time capsule. It's inside a sizable hulk of granite at Mallory Square, filled with personal mementos, books, letters from residents. The plan is to open it in 50 years, but Key West doesn't have the best record with time capsule stuff. <laughs> While planning for Key West's 200th birthday as a settlement, March 25th, people began talking about another time capsule, the one planted 50 years ago when the island marked its 150th birthday. But that time capsule remains a mystery. Turns out nobody can find it. We know the general vicinity, said Paul Menta, chairman of the Bicentennial Celebration Committee. That would be a spot downtown in 1972 that was a future park and development called Old Town Square. Now, almost every speck of that area between where Front and Duval Streets meet is now built up as a tourist hub. Is there a building sitting on top of it? Menta wondered about the half-century-old dig. It was private property. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. 1972 capsule was part of a groundbreaking by developers who planned to build 21 shops and a small gazebo. The park area will cover about half of the total site, which contains about 122,000 square feet. This 1972 Key West citizen story describes where a time capsule was buried. Today, no one in Key West seems to know exactly where it is. <laughs> the plan back then was to open the time capsule 150 years to mark Key West's tricentennial. Nobody knows where it is. That's the thing. Alex Vega, 69, first to bring up the missing time capsule. Vega knows his history. The retired 30-year veteran firefighter's family goes back more than a century in Key West. He's president of the nonprofit Old Firehouse Preservation, which runs the Key West Firehouse Museum. He wasn't there to witness the time capsule burial 50 years ago, though. I was 20 years old, and I wasn't thinking about time capsules at that age. If I'd been there, I'd remember where it was. <laughs> Time capsule location is paved over today. They can't find it in 50 years, much less another hundred. If they build a hotel or something, they might get lucky. Well done, Florida. Oh, only Florida can lose capsule. a time capsule. The whole purpose of a time capsule is to know exactly where it is so you can dig it up. <laughs> or mark it well that, hey, there's a time capsule down here. Come back here and look. 50 years nope that's awesome that is just so pure pure enjoyment thank you florida people have every expectation that the bicentennial time capsule for 2072 which resembles a monument won't disappear or local children aged 9 to 12 were named ambassadors of key west to be present when it's opened and share their stories of growing up on the island that's why i put mine above ground Meta said the new times capsule we sealed everything the worst thing that happens is you're going to need a snorkel mask to see it because Key West will be underwater. <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Jones got that joke. Yeah. Florida's going underwater. You're already anticipating it's great. That wraps up because Florida. <laughs> we'll be right back.
Let's get into parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's not the years. It's the mileage. I grabbed this one off the Instagrams, and I'll do some fact-checking in the background to make sure that this is a real deal. So for those of you that pay attention to the show, you may get a fact check in a later episode after I go back and I look into this thing. But with that being said, it comes from the dad, which all three of us enjoy. The dad is a pro is a profile on Instagram that talks about what it is to be a parent. And it's usually dumb dad jokes. Like do we all have jean shorts and new balances and love cutting our lawn? This particular one hit a tone with me because I have children of that age in school Leon does or is approaching Mr. Jones will eventually, but we also remember harken back to the days when we were kids, when the school said, we're out of money, go sell this stupid crap. If you want this prize that we will pitch you and your uh, co-students against each other for in a uh, hunger games competition. Weebles. Mm -hmm. School fundraisers are easily one of the most annoying parts of the middle school years. It seems like every few weeks you're obligated to hawk, gimmicky products or magazine subscriptions on friends and family members like it's 1994. You guilt them into a few bucks for nonsense products and then scammy companies toss a few cents to your kid's school. One dad was fed up with these, quote, dumbass fundraisers, unquote. Decided to cut the crap and just started an incredible GoFundMe instead. Jacob Taylor said his son's school wanted to raise money for a chicken coop to teach kids about sustainable agriculture. They sent home one of these terrible catalogs full of insanely useless products, and that's when he hit his breaking point. When my son came home with one of these dumbass fundraisers, I decided to take a stand. He wrote, here it is. Give me five bucks. That's it. You give me five bucks. I stop bugging you about fundraisers. Everyone's happy. I don't have to drag my kid all over the neighborhood trying to sell you an avocado peeler for $12, real item. And you don't have to give me money for an item destined to spend eternity in the junk drawer in your kitchen, never being used or enjoyed. School gets 100% of your money instead of the 40% they get when you buy something from this dumb catalog. Taylor is a teacher himself and knows how desperately schools need funds. So he was even willing to make a personal sacrifice other than the horror of door to door. Since we're teachers, we have the perspective of we will do anything to provide what the kids need. In fact, I posted an update on the GoFundMe that one of my friends said they would donate 20 bucks to our GoFundMe if I let my daughter cut my hair. The picture, of course, is a little girl with a razor on her father's head. If the school raised enough from his GoFundMe, Taylor said, then I can throw away this godforsaken catalog instead of praying daily for a comet to crash into my house and bring me sweet release from this god damn fundraiser good news and i was able to raise more than two thousand dollars well done sir hero of the day you guys well, remember having, all, having to sell shit when you were in junior oh, high and all listen oh, this dad this dad is a hero and he's doing the right thing i think uh and, and one thing i've always thought about when with these fundraisers and these door-to-door -door and sell whatever you're you're your wrapping paper, your whatever the hell they're selling. Yeah, it's it's low quality. You know that the manufacturer is getting paid and such a small portion actually is making it to the school. So, uh, but what he did was amazing. But I also think, and, and maybe it's just me, you know, crossing over the 40 line and becoming more of a curmudgeon old man. I don't know. But I do think that, I think the world is getting a little bit more warped 
every day, right? And I, I actually fear what happens when kids start going door to door, you know, and selling these things because not everyone's a wonderful person out there. Uh, and less and less people are opening doors, by the way. I mean, you look mm -hmm. at your ring camera now and you're like, I'm not opening the door. I don't want to buy mm -hmm. that. So it's even harder and harder for them. But then think about who needs the money the most. Is it the areas that are the most affluent and have, you know, the safest areas to go to door to door, or is it the areas that are the most dangerous? And those are the kids you're sending in dangerous neighborhoods that need the money the most. It's a broken system. And it, 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 it's, it's not good. It's not good for anybody. I can't believe we've done it this long. You know, I, I, you, I will tell you though, even the Girl Scouts are getting a lot smarter. This was awesome. Came out of Home Depot. They had the cookies. Of course, I want the cookies. I mean, look <laughs> at me. I want the cookies. And all the cookies. All the cookies. <laughs> and I didn't have any cash. I'm like, I, I'm sorry, girls. I don't have any cash. That's okay. We take Venmo. Yeah. You we do. We got square. We, got, we take cards. We got square. We got, we take Venmo. You know, we, 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 uh, if you uh if you want to open up a vein we'll take some blood whatever you want to do so it's uh they're getting smarter on how they can get to your money but uh it's still one of those i i don't like the door to, you shouldn't be sending kids door to door i think those days are over we need to accept that and move on because we don't live in cleaverland anymore or pleasantville and we need to we need to protect our kids okay in today's world, does it, I mean, isn't it easier just to do a GoFundMe for certain things? Or, I mean, I don't know how many of these you guys do, but I do a lot of fundraisers for um, different causes that are in the Bay Area. And it's always easier to do the GoFundMes or the the walks and all that stuff. I, I get it. Everyone else, their kind of activity to, you know, drum up finances for these kind of schools and so forth. So, yeah, it's... I'm not there yet. I haven't experienced it today of what it is today, but I think this is, this is using, this is leveraging technology today. Isn't this what we're supposed to do? Isn't this, isn't this where things are supposed to go? Let's, let's, let's work smarter, not harder in some ways. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Let me give you, let me give you a little quick story. If you don't mind daughters, daughters in uh, softball and they are fundraising constantly. I haven't figured out where the money's going to yet. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the city's giving us Never the fields and I know they're not paying these umpires jack shit. So, but the money they're pulling out of these parents and everybody for these fundraisers, one of the things that's a big money maker for them is this stupid fucking snack shack. You know, they, that all the parents, when it's your turn, you got to go in there and work the snack shack and sell hot dogs and popcorn and candy and dipping dots and whatever the hell. Right. So, and, and I mean, there it's making money hand over fist, but, it, and it, it frustrates the hell out of everybody. Like you gotta be, can I just pay a high schooler $20 an hour to go in there and work for me? I don't want to do this. The other thing, this kid, <laughs> I was sitting there waiting for my daughter to finish her game. And this girl's walking by with her mom. She just finished her softball game. She's like, mommy, can I go to the snack shack? And she's like, honey, I'm sorry. I don't have any money. She's like, they take Venmo. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, this is a five-year-old girl who knows Venmo, knows they take it. And you can't tell me you don't have cash in your wallet. They're taking all of the power away from parents. We have no excuses left anymore. <laughs>
that's my that's my story on that one. I got a first grade foldable box. Looks like the the cup of Joe box you get from Dunkin' Donuts. That was full of those little pencil stick thin chocolate bars. Some of them had almonds, some of them didn't. They're all wrapped in the silver foil with the white paper on the outside. The first time I got it, I brought it into the office and I left it in the break room with an on your honor. And I was pretty surprised. Most people were honest. Didn't end up selling all of them. The second time it came around, I just said, here. And I gave him the money and I ate all chocolate myself. Because <laughs> I, what do you want? Fuck, That's here, right. You want $10? Here's $10. Right. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to subject my kid to this shit. I don't want to fucking deal with it myself. My time is more valuable to me than this bullshit. And the fact that, that this dad kind of illuminated a fact that I think all of us were sitting on is that school doesn't get all of this money. You know, the Girl Scouts have figured out how to build candy factories and they're like, I think the Girl Scouts get quite a significant amount of these cookies themselves. In fact, there's probably a, a secret investigative journalism story that comes into the fact that the Girl Scouts own the factories. But for most of these fundraisers, it's some bullshit tax write-off that the company gets to forward shit to you to hustle on all of your neighbors. And I'm, I'm really happy this guy did a thing. And so the next time I run into a fundraising opportunity like this, I might do the same thing. I, kudos to this guy. Jacob well. Taylor, dad of the year. Mm-hmm. That's a good parenting. I like that one. That's good parenting. That wraps up our parenting segment. Leon. Ooh, can't wait. I think he's heated. We talked a little bit about Twitter off the air. Hoped it uh, warmed you up. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> Feeling the fiery inside? So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, the floor is yours. I'm actually going to keep it short tonight because we're running long, but tonight, and this is an interactive one, so you need to chime in. I need to understand what is the customary amount of time that you are expected to dedicate when family or friends are visiting in town? Three days. Your, your how much of your life do you put on hold or or move around that doesn't come off as offensive to the people that invested to come out and see your area. You said two days, Danny. No, no, I, they're allowed to stay for three days, then they got to go. No, no, you're talking about your, staying. Your personal time, I, I would say as much as possible. Okay. But I want to throw a caveat out there. Do you like these people? Of course. As much time as possible. Okay. Because there are there are people that come in from out of town that you don't like. Yeah. And I you think the, the amount of time you dedicate is proportionate to how much you like them. You know one of the nice things about ding, living ding, 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 ding. in Ohio? Nobody visited me. Nobody came out. I came my life, my life was life in Ohio. And if I did, and you know what? If you made the journey to Ohio, I made the time. See what I'm saying? I, I closed you it made down. made the time in Florida? For the golf shot heard around the world from Mr. Jones, you made the time in Ohio for the chili mac that I didn't eat. Because it's important. a haul. That's right. It's it's a haul. It's just, I, I feel like so much of my life it gets disrupted now uh, when when people come and visit, and I I love it. I want to see them, but it's 
it's really hard because it disrupts everything. And I have, especially as a, a parent of a young child, and Mr. Jones, you're going to know this more than anything. Routines matter. You can't get off them. You have to stay on them. You get off that routine and your life will suck for weeks, not days, not one night, weeks, because I can't get back on it and you're struggling to get back on it. So you can't, oh, well, just this one one night or two nights, we're going we're gonna to stay out late. That doesn't work. I know when I go to Disneyland and it's going to be an all-day affair, I'm, gonna, I'm going to wreak the havoc of that for the next two weeks because her sleep cycle is going to be off. She's going to be a little bitch for so long because the feeding the mouse was so expensive on so many different lines. But I'm telling you, I, I, I struggle with it and I don't know how to come to terms with the right answer because I love my friends and family and I want to spend time with them. And, but I also know of the, Hiroshima-like effect that's going to happen to my life as soon as they leave and how I put my pieces back together just in time for the next visitor to come around. And it's, it's, it's exhausting. And, and you were so asking us to visit earlier in the episode. <laughs> but I do, I want it, but short periods are okay. I love these Routines short, like should one, be two, respected. one, two, hands down. One, yeah. One, two, three. Those are perfect. One, two, three days. Uh, when, I have, weeks, when I have friends over, I will exhausting. say, friends, please sit down, have a drink. Here's the fire stick. Go outside, do what you need to do. I am going to go put my children to bed. I will see you as soon as possible because I need mm-hmm. to respect the routine. So if I have to abandon my guests, which violates decorum, fuck it. You're right. They got a routine. If I, if I violate the routine, my life feels the repercussions. And be like, oh, look, Dan, he's so whipped. Man, he used to party. That guy used to fucking party. Now yeah. he just goes and puts the kids to bed and reads stories. Yep. Yep. I do. Yep. Yep. I do because you're going to leave. They're still here. <laughs> They're still here. <laughs> Mr. Jobs, you're quiet, but you got lots to say. I can tell. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this past weekend, uh, one of our close friends came up and, you know, out of the blue, he's like, let's meet up let's go get let's go get dinner i'm like okay can we meet at 5 30 because there's a routine you got to start early because you got to end early Mm -hmm. and it didn't exactly go so they showed up well first they kicked it we we kicked it out till like 6 15 so i'm like okay 45 minutes uh kind of cuts in okay but it'll still work and they show up late and so now it's 6 30 and then it's like okay we'll sit down and we'll eat and then all of a sudden we're like my wife said to me she's like okay remember we've got to be home by eight so we can get them ready for bed so we don't start this whole vicious cycle we're putting in bed late and then it just completely snowballs because mm-hmm. once you miss those hours you don't get them back over time Mm-mm. so it's funny you bring this up is i'm still feeling the repercussions because i can't bring him back to mm-hmm. a seven o'clock start anymore because we literally looked at each other. We're like, what time is it? And I'm like, it's eight o'clock and we're still sitting in Oakland. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> got to get home, pick him up, get him in the bathtub, then go. Oh, so nice. no, I totally you're feel you. Fucked. It, it yeah. you're just fucked. <laughs> so this is, yeah. I mean, I think we're all in agreement here. So as a visitor, 
All I can say is if you're visiting parents of small children, give them a little leeway. Give them a little bit of gotta let them do their thing. And it's not because they don't like you. And it's not because that they don't want to spend time with you. It's uh, you're going to leave and three weeks of hell after you're gone. Isn't worth it. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll FaceTime you motherfucker. <laughs> Just put my phone next time you go sit down. I'll give you a great recommendation. Eat there, put my phone down. I'll have right. a peanut butter jelly sandwich. It'd be a great conversation because fuck, I'm still dealing with it. <laughs> yes. It doesn't go away. And you know what? It's so, people are so quick to forget this stage. We're all, you know, Danny's pretty much almost out of it at this I'm point. Almost out of it. Yeah. But you know, Mr. Jones and I are, are smack in the middle of it and you can't you're in the beginning of it. I am in the middle of it and you cannot waver. You cannot waver. It's a, I it's just a nightmare. Got through, I, I'm at sleeping through the night right now. Like, yeah. That's where I'm at. What's a so miracle? I'm trying. I was oh. black tar heroin back in the day. Yeah. Fuck. It's a miracle. So, so that's where I am. Um, could not agree with you more. And it's very difficult. And I love my friends. You ask how long do they stay? No one really visits me. So but I think that'll, that, that will change very soon here. Ben Franklin mm-hmm. said fish and visitors smell in three days. <laughs> ben Franklin was spot Smart. on, man. Oh, uh, well, you know, it wasn't very loathy, but it had to be said. Oh, so. it was good loath, Leon. Good loath. Let's, uh, let's round third and head for home. Let's get to the bottom of the bottle. This bitch is empty. Yeet! Tonight's bottom of the bottle brings us halfway across the world. I have a six-year-old, as you guys know, and maybe some of the Bobs do. And the six-year-old is the second child. So the second child usually has to deal with power dynamics in the family. They're the youngest. Their older brother has more authority, power, capability, blah, blah, blah. So they're always interested in what's the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. Who who is the fastest sandcastle maker in the world? I don't know. Who cares? Go do something else. We did run across what's the tallest building in the world. And the answer to that one is easy. It's the Burj Khalifa. So we looked up the Burj Khalifa and I found some very interesting factoids about said gigantic building. From the tallest point, as in the radio tower at the top. And for those of you that are Tom Cruise fans, I believe he scales it in Ghost Protocol. But it is a gigantic construction marvel of mankind fun fact the Where's Burj Khalifa is so tall it's in Dubai I think yeah I don't know if that was the Dubai or Singapore one but I want okay. to say it's in Dubai no, it's yeah Dubai. for sure because there is a tall one in Singapore but I think Dubai took the cake so the Burj Khalifa in Dubai is currently the tallest building in the world the Burj Khalifa is so tall you can watch the sunset from the ground take the elevator to the top and watch the sunset again science the elevators can whisk you to the top of the observation deck at 1,823 feet in less than a minute. Currently, the world's tallest building, the Burj Khalifa, measures 2,700 feet in height, including 163 floors above ground, 58 elevators, 304-room Armani Hotel, six exclusive restaurants, and 900 residences. It took six years, 12,000 workers, and 22 million man-hours to complete. Despite all the amazing technology that went into this masterpiece, the exterior windows are still cleaned 
the old-fashioned way with a bucket of water and a squeegee. Will we ever build a mile-high building? Because that's only half that big. I think the technology would allow us to do that, but a mile-high building would probably get clipped by an airplane, right? No. No, that's only 5,280 feet. What if we built a mile-high building at the base of the Rockies so that they could see mile-high stadium in Denver? (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Brilliant. That's our show. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. Give us a phone call, 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, or Mr. Jones. We'll play it on the air. Give us ideas for content or refute anything we say on the show. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe, and share with a friend. We're on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share a drink with us next episode. Same brown time. Same brown channel. Bottleofbrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>